0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 9th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The Pentagon will end its train and equip program for Syrian rebels, opting instead to effectively provide more weapons. But with both the U.S. and Russian forces involved in Syria and several close calls between those forces, the U.S. may be drawn into a much deeper conflict. Emma Ashford, a visiting research fellow at the Cato Institute, offers her thoughts.
1: So the big change in the Syrian civil war in the last couple of weeks has been the involvement of Russia. Um, They'd always been backing the Assad regime with money and arms, but now they're actually involved in the conflict. They've got bombers flying bombing raids, they're firing cruise missiles at various groups, and they're doing that in backing the Assad regime, even though they say they're focusing on ISIS. And all of that's in addition to the parties already fighting in Syria. That includes the US-backed coalition of countries that are involved in fighting ISIS. That includes the Assad regime and the ongoing civil war between them and a bunch of different rebel groups. Um, And really, it's very chaotic on the ground. There's a lot of different parties involved. The, The Russians might be saying on television that they are fighting ISIS. But really, they are just backing the Assad regime. And some of the groups they're bombing are actually groups that the US through the CIA has armed and trained recently.
0: Okay, so how is that impacting uh, beyond that, the US effort in the region?
1: So it makes the US effort inside Syria a lot more complicated. Um, For a start of, the Assad regime has just been sort of avoiding the fact that there's US planes flying bombing raids in the country. Now, there's another air force engaged in bombing raids. And I'll be honest, they've not been adequately de-conflicting with U.S. forces. There have been a couple of near misses with U.S. planes. um, And we often don't know where the Russian planes will be. So there's a really high risk of, of escalation of Russian and U.S. forces coming into direct conflict in some way. So it makes the whole situation a lot more complicated for U.S. policymakers.
0: What do either the U.S. or Putin get out of involvement in this civil war?
1: Well, for Russia, um, it's probably more about domestic politics and about Putin's other sort of foreign policy follies than it actually is about Syria. So, getting involved in the conflict in Syria looks really good on television. He's able to use Russian state media, basically propaganda, to make it look as if he's going in and supporting an embattled government. It makes him look like he's powerful, important. It makes him look really good domestically. And that's something he really needs right now at a time when the Russian economy is tanking. Um, His involvement in Ukraine is definitely failing. Um, And so as a distraction from all of those problems, Russian involvement in Syria is pretty good for Vladimir Putin. The question of what the U.S. gets from our involvement in Syria is really no different than it has been for the last four or five years. We have no key interests in Syria. We don't particularly, we're not impacted by anything that really happens there. Um, Our involvement against the Assad regime is basically entirely pointless, and even our involvement against ISIS, they're really not as big a threat as they've been made out to be.
0: People like John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and that ilk, there is no uh, conflict in that region that the United States should not be involved in. So where is the pressure really coming from?
1: Well, there's there's a lot of people, there's been a lot of talk in the media um, and a lot of talk from the standard hawkish uh, sympathizers about the fact that um, the US needs to get involved. Now, we can't let Russia get one over on us. We can't let them back the Assad regime. And all of that in spite of the fact that we've really not been opposing the Assad regime. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, The the pressure is almost more of a knee-jerk reaction. We have this long habit in foreign policy of saying, well, if Someone else is doing something. If they're involved, if the Soviet Union is involved, if Russia is involved, if Al-Qaeda is involved, then we have to do something. We have to oppose it no matter where it is. And I fear that's what's happening today is there's a lot of pressure to get more involved in Syria. The facts on the ground haven't changed that much from the point of view of U.S. involvement since Russia got involved. But the fact Russia is now involved, people say, well, we need to do something.
0: Is it fair to call this a proxy war? I mean if the United States and Russia are both involved essentially – ostensibly backing different sides of this sort of triparty party fight, uh, you said there have been a lot of near misses. It seems like this is uh, creating the potential for – another separate conflict that has nothing to do with Syria.
1: I mean, certainly, I think there's the potential for some kind of proxy war between Russia and the US and Syria. But actually, Syria is more of a proxy war between a lot of regional powers. So states like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey, who've been backing the rebels to overthrow the Assad regime, and states like Iran or Russia, who were funneling weapons and arms and money to the Assad regime to fight them. It's been a proxy war for five years. It's just that now it's beginning to look like we may be forming up around sort of two blocks, the U.S. and its kind of allied countries and Russia and Iran and Syria.
0: Now, when you say U.S. and its kind of allied countries, you're you're talking about Saudi Arabia. So is Saudi Arabia able to exert pressure to keep the U.S. involved here?
1: it it might be better to refer to it as sort of a a loose alliance or a loose coalition of a lot of states that don't like ISIS but have differing opinions on the Assad regime. And that's been one of the reasons why the US hasn't been more involved in the Syrian civil war to this point, even though the Saudis and other countries really want us to. They wanna see the Assad regime overthrown. A lot of people in the U.S. say, well, that'll open a power vacuum. It might not be the best thing. We probably shouldn't be doing it. So there's deep divides on what we should do, even between the U.S. and the the countries that we're allied with in the region that are members of this anti-ISIS coalition.
0: But what can the U.S. do short of dropping a bunch of bombs without congressional authorization?
1: Well, uh, we already have been doing that. We've been dropping a lot of bombs without congressional authorization. Um, But the fact is that the things that the U.S. can do to be effective really aren't military related. Us getting more involved, us arming more very dubious rebel groups against the Assad regime, that's a terrible idea. Flying more raids inside Syria, possibly coming into contact with Russian forces, that's a terrible idea, too. There are non military things we can do, though. Um, last week at the UN, pre, uh, the King of Jordan specifically asked for aid from the U.S. and a bunch of other countries to help deal with the humanitarian crisis. Um, And that's an area where the U.S. really hasn't been focusing. We could do a lot of good. Syrian refugees are flooding out across the region. I think it's 20% of Jordan's population is now Syrian refugees. Um, Lebanon has similar numbers, and they're starting to flee to Europe, causing the refugee crisis there. There's a lot the U.S. could be doing to try and help those countries deal with the refugee influx. We could be taking more Syrian refugees ourselves. We could be providing humanitarian and charitable aid. And that would go a long way towards alleviating some of the suffering that's going on over there.
0: Emma Ashford is a visiting research fellow at the Cato Institute. Read more of her work at cato.org.